Good morning. Welcome to our November 7th sermon. I am Pastor Adam, and I'm going to be doing a two-week series on discipleship. Pastor Moke has done a great job of covering biblical worldview over the last few months, and he has attacked different areas where we as Christians need to begin to change and shape the way we look at the world through the lens of the Bible. And that's really touched a lot on where God has been working in my heart over the last year or two, and that's in the area of discipleship. Because I really believe that you can't truly grow or understand how to live with a biblical worldview unless you've been taught or discipled how to have that worldview by other Christians. It's one thing to hear about it in a sermon or to be uh, taught the information of what it means, but to do it effectively, I really believe that discipleship is the key to making mature Christians but mature Christians who can look at the world through the lens of the Bible. And I really want to lay out that I believe our, our vision here at FBC Broussard should be about making disciples. Um, and that as a church culture, our discipleship needs to become part of what our church culture is. Now, I want to ask first off, what do you think of when you hear the word culture? That's kind of a word we take for granted, and until you actually think about it, you may not really understand what you mean by it, but you kind of know what you mean. And so I, I want to say that culture is our art, our language, our way of doing things, our values that we put in this area, um, uh, the things we celebrate. It's, it's really, if you boil it down, it means the way we do life, the way we do things. Uh, that's specific to us. And so uh, some examples might be in Southern culture, you could hear the word y'all, and you know exactly what that means. Depending on the context, you know exactly how many people I'm talking about when I say the word y'all. Um, and that's just from being Southern. If you're not from down here and down South, you may not catch it or understand it, especially if you live outside of the United States. Uh, another one might be, uh, if I say bless your heart, uh, we know exactly what that means depending on context and I could be insulting you or I could be pitying you um, or really just you know picking on you a little bit uh, but but you understand it somebody else hearing bless your heart wouldn't get it and um, let's see another southern culturalism uh, might be that we say um, uh, when we're walking down the street if you're in the south there's always that tendency to kind of nod and smile right you, you you engage people on the street and that doesn't happen really anywhere else outside the South. Uh, that, that's definitely a Southern uh, aspect of who we are. And we do it without even thinking. And we're proud of it. We, we love that idea that we're, we're very respectful. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Opening doors and stuff like that. Uh, nine times out of ten, I'll open a door for a man or a woman without even thinking about it just because that's how I was raised. Open doors for people. Um, if you want to get more specific, the Louisiana culture uh, might be things like Cajun French. You probably know a lot of Cajun French phrases uh, without even having to think about them. Um, you may even know a lot of the insults without ever speaking the language <laughs> just because you've been down here so much. Uh, another one is that E-A-U-X is, is on the end of anything that has the, the O sound, right? Go Tigers. Instead of spelling it G-O, it would be G-E-A-U-X. Uh, and there's been so many people I've heard outside of South Louisiana who butcher trying to say that because they don't understand it. Um, but we get it, right? If, if it's got a no sound, it, it's going to probably have E-A-U-X at the end because that's just part of who we are. Uh, crawfish, right? We set our, our time frame by the crawfish season. I mean, I, we, we evolve or revolve around when crawfish are coming. Same thing with hurricanes. 
we, we plan our schedules around hurricane season, around crawfish season. That's just part of being down here. And so, um, you know, there's these little things. I could say something like, uh, oh, I'm going to save my clothes, right? And that's not a heroic act. I'm not going to, you know, fly off and go save them from an enemy. I'm, I'm going to go put them up. And uh, outside, people wonder why I might save my clothes. But here, we get it. I'm just going to put them up. Uh, I'll make groceries, you know, and I'm not going to magically make them appear uh, by performing a spell or something to make my groceries appear, right? Make groceries means I'm going to go grocery shopping. Uh, so we have all these little cultural things that we take for granted or that we understand without even having to think about it. And I would say that as a church, FBC Broussard has some cultural things too that we do. And we just, we, we are, it's so ingrained in us. Uh, evangelism is a huge part of that. We are great about evangelism. We celebrate it. We celebrate baptisms. We have the invitation at the end of each service where we invite people up to come and get and make a profession of their faith. Pastors great about always asking people to confess their faith. And so salvation, evangelism becomes a huge part of who we are as a church. Service is the other side of that. Uh, we do a lot of service projects. We celebrate service projects. We announce them all the time uh, whenever we have them. We, we send out emails and we contact people and things like that. And so those are really two big parts of what our culture is. Um, and, but I would say that discipleship is probably not a strong part of our culture. Or if it is, it's not a very well understood part of our church culture. And, and my vision is that as a church, we need to grow and make it a huge part of our church culture here at FBC Broussard. Because without it, you know, getting someone saved is really kind of like celebrating being pregnant, right? You spend nine months with showers and, and uh, all the pains of, 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 of going through the nine months of pregnancy and struggling through it and, and the excitements and the frustrations and everything. You get to the hospital and you celebrate having the baby and then you just leave the baby for the hospital to take care of and raise and do everything else. And sometimes it feels that way, not just in our church, but in a lot of American churches, that we get to salvation and it's like, great, they've gotten saved, we've done all this work, and okay, now the church is going to take care of them. We don't have to worry about what the next step is. And sometimes it will get involved in service projects, but service projects in and of themselves don't grow or mature people. They're just ways for people to serve and, and get involved. There's a hope that they might grow and they might mature spiritually, but uh, really, it, if you have evangelism and service projects and, and ministries, you miss kind of the in-between of growing people spiritually. And that's, that's where you have, you end up with weaker Christians who may have a lot of knowledge but not know how to apply it. Discipleship takes that beginning process of salvation, trains and grows and matures a person so that as they serve, as they get involved in projects, they're training and serving and discipling others through their service projects. They're maturing people through those service projects. And so I think that we need to have more discipleship. We need to have a better grasp of what discipleship is so that we can be more effective in raising mature believers. Because as a result of raising mature believers, we'll be able to have a better idea of how to live out a biblical worldview. We'll have a better idea of how to share our faith more effectively. So that way we know where to take people based on what their understanding of the Bible is and grow them and mature them with the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at what I believe is Jesus's pattern for discipleship. If you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter four, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 22. Um, let me read that for you. 
as he, talking about Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, since they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fishers of men, or fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. And so we see at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he begins with calling his first disciples, those who are going to follow him. And so if he caught it in verse 19, we see the pattern is that there's a call to relationships that lead to transformation with the purpose, specific purpose, of being followers of Christ, right? And so I believe the pattern is relationships, transformation with a purpose. And so let's look at that. We're going to break it down uh, real quick. Um, Jesus begins with a call to relationship. He begins the verse, come follow me. Now, these men were interested in what Jesus said. They were interested in him. They probably heard his teaching. They probably heard him talk. They had obviously heard about John the Baptist talking about Jesus and saying that uh, he was the one who would follow after him. And so they had an idea that he was somebody important. He was more than just a man. But even if they understood that he was the Messiah, they didn't understand the type of Messiah that he was coming to be at that point. And so when he calls them to come and follow him, he's not calling to follow like, like today. We have Facebook, right? Follow on Facebook. And that just means you're getting highlights. You just kind of want to see the special things that go on. You might engage a few conversations. Uh, but for the most part, it's hands off. Now, back then when he said, come follow me, and you see it, they leave everything. And they go and walk with him for the next three years, sleeping where he slept, day in and day out for all the events of their lives. The, the times they were scared, the times they were sad, the times they were upset, the times they were confused, right? And Jesus is there to shape and mentor and guide them through every step of the way. And that is relationship. In the same way that I'm in a relationship with my wife or I'm in a relationship with my kids, it's more than just a casual acquaintance. There's a seriousness there that I should have an influence, right? I should be able to help shape and transform the things that they are thinking, which leads into our next part is that he calls them into in relationship first. Come follow me and I will make you. And so there's going to be the idea that they're going to change because of this relationship. There's transformation that will happen. I will make you. And what's nice is that Jesus emphasizes the I. He is the one who's going to do the transforming work. He is the one who is going to help shape and change who they are. The expectation isn't that they're just going to do it on their own or by their own strength and their own ability, but that Jesus will be the one who is directing and shaping the process of what they're going to be transformed into. We also see, too, that that transformation includes them, in a sense, getting saved because they confess him in the process. It's not in the moment when they begin the relationship. The relationship doesn't equal salvation at that point. Relationship just means that they're following. Because others follow Jesus as well who were called disciples. We see in John 6 that there were many disciples who, after hearing how difficult Jesus' teaching were, that these disciples walked away and refused to follow him anymore. And it's at that point that Jesus, in the process of talking to and teaching this group of disciples, so many walk away, and Jesus turns to the twelve and says, And you, are you going to walk away from me too? And they say, Where else would we go? You have the words of life. 
And so I believe it's at that point that they are beginning to understand after they've seen miracles, after they've seen the power of Jesus Christ uh, on earth, that they begin to understand that he's a lot more than just a, a special teacher or a military leader, but that he is of God. And he's begun to show them that, that they need him. He is the bread of life. He is the one that they have to completely depend on. And they confess. And so there's transformation in that they begin to realize and they are being changed into what God wants them to be changed into, into what it means to experience and live the kingdom daily, but also to be able to enjoy the kingdom in the future in heaven after uh, they pass away. And so transformation is happening. So we see, first off, come and follow me relationship, and I will make you transformation. But what are they being transformed into? And that's the last part is purpose. Fishers of men. So they're going to go out, however Jesus changes them, into men who are going to reach other men. And the expectation is that men who are going to reach other men for Jesus Christ to also follow him follow what he is saying and what he is teaching about life because at the very basic of what they understood about Jesus he was a teacher and he was teaching them truths about God and so at the very beginning when he calls them it's to relationship to be transformed but also to go and call others to learn these truths and these teachings that come from Jesus Christ and so a powerful pattern of relationship transformation and purpose. Now what's great is it's not just the beginning, but we see this also at the end. And so if you turn to Matthew 28 real quick, I want to go ahead and read that passage as well. Now this is at the very end of Jesus's time on earth after he's been resurrected. And so he is meeting with the disciples and he is giving them their last charge on earth. And so he tells them, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And so, again, we see that pattern. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Relationship. They are to go and make relationships with other people, to go into all the nations and begin making relationships to make disciples of people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Transformation. They are going to be transformed into new creatures who, who are, are dead to their old lives and are able to live out this new life of Jesus' teachings. But the purpose is that they, they are to go and teach all that Jesus has commanded, right? And which part of that is to go and make disciples. And so there's a pattern of the relationship, go into all the nations, make disciples, transformation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit with the purpose, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And so we see that they are to go and make disciples who follow Jesus' teachings, to be transformed by Jesus' teachings, but then also to go and live out kingdom living here on earth and make more disciples and continue the process. Relationship, transformation, purpose. And I believe that that is what we as a church need to begin embracing. We need to look at the process of salvation being the first step in the journey of discipleship. Because that's the beginning of transformation. And then the whole process of teaching and training 
people to learn and to live by all that Jesus has commanded. Now, with that being said, I, I think Jesus lives out that pattern too. Because in between Matthew 4 and Matthew 28, you see that there are two stories that happen in the Gospels. The first story is Jesus' salvation. The story of him going to the cross, to die on the cross for our sins. To, uh, to have the possibility of salvation, right? He's going to die for our sins. But you also see the process of him joining in relationship with people, not just his disciples, but others like Mary and Martha, Lazarus, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Nicodemus, um, the, the rich young ruler that he is inviting to, to relationship. Some choose and accept, and they begin to be transformed as well to the purpose so that they are also following Jesus Christ. And so you see two stories paralleling each other throughout the Gospels. And I believe that the story of salvation and the story of discipleship are equally important because Jesus Christ was about both of them. You know, Pastor Tony Evans of Oak Cliff Bible Church said in a, a sermon one time, teach a man about Christ dying for his sins and you give him heaven when he dies. But teach a man to obey Christ and you give him heaven here on earth. We have to be about discipleship because I believe it'll, it'll solve many of the difficulties and struggles that the modern church has as we, we engage with such a violent and chaotic world right now. If we can be disciples of people, we're going to work through a lot of the issues as we teach them to have a biblical worldview, how to approach difficult and ungodly situations with a godly mindset, with a view of how to approach it through the lens of the Bible. So my hope is that you'll begin to take on this vision yourselves and begin to really research and look at what it means to be a disciple maker. And I hope you'll come back next week as we delve more into how to make disciples and what discipleship looks like. If you have any questions, if you have a decision that you're making as a result of all this, my hope and prayer is that you'll reach out to us and let us know. And especially if you have any questions that we can answer. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you next week.